Hello and welcome to the GFFN preview show. I'm Jeremy Smith and I'm filling in this week for Lewis, who was last seen being led away by police dressed as a broccoli and declaring his love for Greta Thunberg. Joining me tonight is Angers superfan Thomas and uh, Valencia fan Clinton. Uh, Clinton and I have already been sharing our mutual love for Vicente this evening as a Brighton fan. He's possibly the best player we've ever had and I still miss him even though we only had him for a couple of months. Um, we're looking ahead to the return of Ligue 1 football this week after last week's international break. Um, I just want to touch very quickly, the other guys kind of spoke about it in more depth earlier in the week, but um, just to ask the two of you, what, how did you find France? I think um, this is it was probably kind of a, a classically French international break in that the Deschamps and Giroud lovers will more or less be happy and those that have sort of got it in for them will also be happy because they've got quite a lot of stuff that they can get their, their claws into, I guess. Uh, Thomas, what did you think of, of France's two matches? Yeah, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't watch the... Um, I kept, of course, Simon matches didn't watch them uh, this time round. But yeah, it did seem like a, a sort of, like you said, a, a classic um, a classic French international window um, with sort of close and... and, and uh, games of, of close scores, but... Um, perhaps easier um, on the eye um, instead of just what we're, what the the uh, the out, outcome uh, did show. But obviously, it's frustrating that they haven't got that qualification yet. Um, but I think we're all agreed that there's not really much um, much danger of, of any upsets. And uh, uh, Clinton, how how where do you stand on the whole sort of? Well, I guess there's two separate debates, but but Deschamps and Giroud. Well, um, I think that um, time and time again, Jura has shown that he deserves um, the faith that Deschamps had um, on him. So, of course, that that came came up again. I mean, um, Ben Yedda got his chance and he, he didn't really take it. And then Jura came on and delivered the goal that he had been looking for. So, um, on Jura, um previously, I'd been complaining about Jura as well. I understood his role in the team, but... I was also complaining because I felt like he wasn't really doing it as much anymore. But I think in recent time, he has proved me wrong and he has been really good. Um, generally, though, it was it was not a great performance. It, there was just something missing. I dare say it was Killian, but I mean, they should still have been able to win that game without Killian being around. But I mean, they just lacked the cutting edge. And eventually, I think they would have loved to win the game, of course, but... Unfortunately, they could only get a draw at home. Very, very disappointing. Yeah, I, th I think France, will put, they probably should still be okay. I think a, a win at home at Moldova should, should put them through. I guess the only, the only issue is that it's not, it's not, well, finishing top isn't in their hands anymore. And, and depending on what happens in other groups as well, they could end up in a pretty tough group. But I guess they're world champions, so other people should be more <laughs> yeah. scared of them than they are of, of yeah. Of others. So, um, the other the other international match that um, took place after the last the last podcast, so so probably wasn't discussed at all, was the uh, French under twenty one match that, that took place on Tuesday night. Um, it was the the second match of qualifying for Euro twenty twenty one. They won the first match. It seems so long ago. My mind's gone completely blank about who it was against. Uh, Azerbaijan. The five 0 the game they won five now. Um, 
Who was it against again? Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> All I remember about it was Ed's Odson Edouard obviously scoring lots. Um, but this, yeah, this one was uh, a bit of a tougher match, even at 4 1 up. I think it was probably a flattering score for France. Then Slovakia got back to 4 3, but, but France came through at 5 3 in the end. Um, thanks in great part to a hat trick from Odson Edouard. That's now, he's now played four matches for, for France under 21s and he scored. Uh, a double, a double, a double, a hat trick. Unbelievable yeah. stat. Um, what, what, what? Do either of you think? I know that Thomas, you're a, you're a, you're a big fan of, of Dembele, and, and you're you're pushing for him to get into the full fraud squad. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think there's actually a chance at the rate Edouard's going that there's obviously the connection with them because of the the, the Celtic connection? Do yeah. you think there's even a chance that he could sort of jump the queue the way he's going? Um. I think it's it's more likely that Dembele gets that gets that chance at the moment. He is playing in a, a more established and a high quality league than than in Scotland um, that Edward is playing. But if if Edward continues to perform at, at under twenty one level, um, I think you look at Dembele and he's been performing so well um, for for under twenty ones for quite a while, and he still hasn't got into that into that squad. So it's my only concern there is that Edward will just do exactly the same thing so once now Edward is pushing pushing through into that into that that starting place um for the younger side then maybe that that's sort of pushes Dembele up into the first team eventually okay so you think it's sort of actually is going to help Dembele in a way yeah 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 I can see I think I can see that I think um, do you think, um, Clinton, do you think it was a good move from Edouard to, to move to Celtic? I mean, I have to admit that I wasn't that convinced about him at all once he'd broken into the, the sort of first teams in France, but he's on fire in Scotland at the moment. Yes, I, I think it, it was a very good um, decision um, because of his, his age at the, at the moment. I think um, he's still only 21 and... He just needed time away from, you know, the press and everything just to get away and do something and do it, do his own thing. So I think um, it was a good move, but um, he, he needs to not stay there too long, sort of like Dembele. He needs to come back and then prove himself in, in France or something so that the, the numbers he has done in, in Celtic would count for something. So um, I think it was a good move for him. I mean, so far he has done well there, and I think he scored about 15 goals last season in the league. So um, it's good, and it's showing great progression. As long as he's growing, as long as he's growing as a footballer, then I think that it's it's a very good um, thing. Yeah. yeah. But so I, I don't think he's going to displace Dembele though. Like in the pecking order, I think it, he's still some way to go before he does that. So yeah, yeah. possibly needs to prove himself. Either in Ligue 1 or maybe in the Premier League if he gets the big move next year, I think. Yeah. I've got, um, there's a Celtic fan who follows me on Twitter, and every time Edouard scores for, for French under 21s, he gets in touch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he doesn't think for a second that Edouard's still going to be at Celtic next season. But he has recommended to me, and, and I recommend it if you've got a free moment, just going onto YouTube and uh, looking up. Celtic's chant for Edouard, which is to the tune of um, I want to be adored by the Stone Roses, which is, is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, on to, on to French football. And, um, 
I think really that there's only really one place to start. I think this 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 weekend. Um, so the, the last the last preview show, Thomas um, and the other guys were, were speaking a lot about the the run out of Derby, the build up to the Derby, um, and the fact that actually Lyon were in a relatively better position after their after their win at Leipzig. Obviously, it didn't quite go to plan, and a couple of days later, um, Silvino's gone. Um, do you do you think it was the right decision to get rid of him, Thomas? What do you think? Um, I think yeah, he, he, it, it was a very strange appointment. Uh, I think it was uh, Philip who said in the he sort of put it really nice in the in the last podcast. He, they they wanted Janino so badly to come to the club that Silvino sort of came in his in his briefcase uh, <laughs> along with him. I thought that was a really nice uh, analogy of it, and that I sort of summed it up really. It was just a a very a, a strange um, and uh, peculiar appointment. Uh, it makes sense with Janino um, coming in, but to have that influence on on what what coach comes in alongside is um, very uh, very strange, and it didn't work out. Um, there was two. The I mean, it started brilliantly, explosive, two explosive games. But like I've said before, they did play two teams that just didn't really want to play football against them. And I think it was Monaco and Angers. Um, yeah. And then they did start to play um, actual football against teams. Uh, and sort of, they, they started to play games against uh, Liga and clubs. And it proved a little bit more difficult for Silvino and, and his tactics. His tactics during his time there were far too negative for a, a team like uh, Olympic Lyonnais to to employ in the the, the second strongest club in France um, easily. The amount of quality they've got in that squad and, and to have that 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 setup in in games is is yeah. not going to please the fans. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, when um, Silvino came in, he was he was waxing lyrical about how he wanted to play with soul and yeah, he wanted to bring this style of football and everything. And then, I mean, after the game against Angers, everything just went downhill. Became too cautious. The game against PSG was so frustrating to watch because I, I wanted to see a contest. I wanted to see two teams go at at each other. And mm-hmm. instead, it was just basically PSG pummeling them, and then they they'd get to the front of PSG box and just take random shots, and it was just horrible to see. And I thought the Leipzig game was going to change things a bit, but then they went to Saint Etienne and did exactly the same thing, and they were just too negative. I think that um, of course Olas and um, Geninho they dropped the ball on that appointment, and. I'm not so convinced about the new one, but um, hopefully we'll see how it goes. But I thought oh. they would go all out for Blanc or Wenger or something. So, yeah, I mean, talking of the new one, obviously Rudy Garcia has come in. And it's interesting that you're both talking about the negativity of, of the way that Lyon pl- have played this season. Um, yeah. I, I completely agree, I think. You know, in a way, even if they've got all of the same results, but at least been trying to play attacking football and maybe, you know, just failing to get the ball in the net or whatever, maybe he'd have been given a bit longer. But yeah, I yeah. do think he's playing with an inferiority complex. So in that context, they've brought in a coach who 
always lost against PSG, always lost against Lyon. Um, only, only managed to beat a Monaco that were already massively going downhill. Failed to ever get yeah. the best out of players like Tova in a big match. Is this, yeah. is this a good appointment? Well, um, in my opinion, it's, it's not maybe a good short-term fix. Um, of course, um, Rudy Garcia is a, a much better manager than um, Sauvigno, and he has more experience. So, of course, he'll be able to bring something and elevate them a bit. But in the long term, I do not think that um, it's going to be a good appointment. But, I mean, I might be wrong. But I, I think that at some point, things are going to go south and um, Rudy will also be fired. But in the meantime, I think it would make a difference. So if it's a short-term appointment, in the short term, they would, of course, it's a good appointment. But in the long term, I do not think so. I, I, I completely did not like Rudy. Okay, I've, I've never really been a fan of Rudy Garcia at all, anywhere. And at Marseille, I think that he was just... It was just so frustrating because I expected so much from Marseille and with the kind of players that he had. And he just turned me completely off. You know, every time I watched them, I, I struggled to see what he was trying to do sometimes, especially in the bigger games. It, it was always, almost like they, they always laid down to let PSG walk all over them every time and all of that. And so it was pretty disappointing. So I don't really have a very high opinion of um, Rudy, but uh, I'm still excited to see what he does with the, with the team. But I personally wouldn't have gone for that appointment. I mean, it was like an anticlimax because there were all these names that were, that were being mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. Benga, Blanc, Mourinho, and then at the end of the day, they ended with Rudy Garcia. It was, it was a bit of an anticlimax, yeah. It's only a, it was only a short-team contract for Garcia. I think it was 18 months, maybe. Maybe, maybe yeah, that's, maybe that's smart. Two year, eight, 18 months contract. So, I think the the, the this um, you can see a little bit more of, of thought going into that that they don't want to they don't want to give him too too long um, a contract and just to see how he does. Can he just steady steady the ship in a way? Yeah. I guess um, the, and try the pay the payoff that he got from Marseille. He doesn't need the money right now. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Probably not, um, but hopefully they're looking for him to just steady the ship and get Leon back up the table because they're um, they're really far down. And this, when they sack Slovenia, I thought if they get the next one wrong, then they, they could miss out on they could miss out on Champions League football. Um, yes. And and Garcia, I'm not overly convinced. He's, he's a better manager than Slovenia. He's got much more league experience, but. Sometimes having lots of league and experience can uh, be a detriment to a, a manager, and he's just, a, he's just, um, yeah, he's, it's just frustrating to watch his teams play. And it's, I mean, Silvino had negative tactics, so I'm not sure what they were thinking when they brought Garcia in to see if he was a complete, complete flip of a coin. When his, I saw in his press in, in his press conference today, he said that. He's not interested in Lyon seducing, but he wants them to be convincing, which doesn't <laughs> necessarily bode well in terms of the style yeah. of play. I mean, what, what do you think? It's probably a, a, a silly question because the answer is probably obvious. But I mean, if 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 Lyon 
managed to climb up the table, but playing horrific football. Do you think the fans will accept that or possibly maybe just till the summer, but then in a kind of, I guess, the way that Everton fans did, relatively speaking, with Allardyce, say, right, you you saved us, but we want rid yeah, now. Well, just, yeah. I, I think they're going to accept it for a while because at this point, the, um, the priority is to get uh, points on board and just climb up the table. So if they climb high and get maybe CL football, course to be accepted but in the long run perhaps perhaps next season when you know the new season starts and then they still have to deal with the dire football then of course moments will start coming and um, the fans will ask for better so I, I think that in the short term fans will be satisfied but um, after this season it, it will no longer be acceptable yeah and um there's obviously been lots of banter between Lyon and Marseille fans this this, uh, <laughs> this week. So, but before we do the the proper predictions, we'll talk, we'll speak about Dijon first anyway. But quick prediction: who finishes higher at the end of the season, Lyon or Marseille? <laughs> uh, I I'd say uh, Marseille. Thomas. Marseille. Uh, I think uh, Leon. Yeah, I'm still uh, I'm still edging towards Leon just because. Yeah, you just you have can't to think that at some that point. amount of quality they've got. Exactly. Somehow, surely, yeah. a competent manager like Garcia surely would be able to get something out of that that team that's enough to beat you know most of the most of the uh, clubs in the league. Yeah, I think also just they've got a little bit more depth. I mean, Marseille are sort of so yeah. threadbare yeah, with a couple of injuries and, and yeah. Maybe Villas Burst will be at Lyon next season. <laughs> um, quick words on, on their opponents this weekend, who are, are Dijon. Kind of, I mean, on the basis that you usually expect a, a coach to kind of have a strong first match at home, um, it's kind of unlucky timing for Dijon, who are, are sort of just managed to try to get a run together. They're unbeaten in three. They've had two straight wins, and, and they've just climbed off the bottom. Uh, we won't talk about who's bottom at the moment. Um, do you have they got any chance here, or are they just really unlucky and they're going to be the whipping boys, Thomas? What do you think? Uh, yeah, the, I mean it's been much more hopeful um, and impressive. I mean, Tavares has got back on the score sheet. Uh, um, I mean, he was the only one on the score sheet, I think. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, I think the the they've. I'm not too convinced about Jabal in that in that role. I'm not sure he'll survive the entire season. Um, it's 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 difficult to, to to predict games off the back of an international break because you think about the amount of the players that got yeah. out, um, the, how much time the managers had to to set up, um, the overwork, the squad. Uh, but I think in in this one, it might be a a close, a close game, but probably a Leon just sneaking it. Have, have, I, and, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. The the last match, it was um, it was actually Steffi Mavididi who scored for for uh, um, yeah. for Dijon, yeah. and and I mean it kind of went under the radar here, but he's a young young English player actually. He's been on the books at Arsenal and Juventus. Have either of you seen a lot of him? I have to admit, I haven't seen too much. Yeah, I've seen I've um, seen him. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's playing, um, playing a couple yeah. of minutes. And do you see? Um, I mean, we we spoke about Edouard and, and Dembele, um, who I guess sort of went the other way. Um, but you've got Panzo at Monaco. You've got Griffiths at, um, at Lyon, who is, hasn't yet broken into the first team. I guess Ojo gave it a go last year, coming from um, Liverpool to 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 Reims, although it really didn't. You know, he didn't really up any trees at all but I quite like this idea of, of young British players coming to France I mean is this something that you think maybe we could see a little bit more of um, in the in the coming years that's what do you think yeah I think I think I think so um I mean you see more more British players going more English players going to uh, leagues like the Bundesliga like we see Sancho and uh, Ampadu uh, Luckman and pl- players like that, and and the Bundesliga is a great league for producing and and bringing through tr- talent. And France is arguably even a better league. So there there is um, still a stigma, or not a stigma, a sort of a a view of France in in England um, about it being a, a farmers league. But if you're a, a young player, you know that there is um, a lot of good clubs that can really push you on um, to better things. I mean. Um, trying to get uh, Andre uh, in here, but obviously um, Ren Adelaide came in through. He came through um, from from Arsenal, uh, just like Mabadidi, and and was uh, sort of rejected by by Unai Emery and, and Andre picked him up, and uh, over eighteen months they really just helped him progress his career, and now he's obviously in a, <laughs> a struggling team at Lyon. But uh, it just shows that that clubs in France are, are very adept and very, very good at, at, at bringing through young players. And it's really, it's, it's interesting to see. Um, it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of years um, how many English players do, do uh, come across the, uh, the channel. Yeah. It would kind of be ironic if just as they start doing that, Brexit stops it happening. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, Josh, Josh Madge is probably not having the best time at Bordeaux. I mean, he, he's coming in, and hoped to, you know, get in a, a, a few minutes, but somehow Jimmy Jimmy Briand of all people is still uh, performing well and keeping him out of the squad. <laughs> I, mean, I think the one positive on that side is that if the English players don't sort of waltz into the first team, at least it kind of, you know, weakens the whole Farmers League argument that <laughs> yeah. force all of us to tears every week. <laughs> all right, so let's get um, predictions of this match. But actually, I want two predictions. Um, First of all, the score, but secondly, what kind of uh, reaction or welcome Rudy Garcia is going to get from the Lyon fans? Uh, Clinton, do you want to go first? All right. Um, I think um, Lyon will sneak it, probably 1-0 or 2-1. Although it's very hard to see how Dijon will get goals because they always struggle for goals. But they, they're really good at creating chances. So there's that. I, they're a team that have really impressed me. I don't think that um, Leon will have it easy, even with the whole um, new manager thing. So uh, I think it will be a close game, but probably 1-0 or 2-0 would flatter Leon. That's what I'd, I'd expect, of course. I don't think um, Rudy would also take chances, especially because it's first game and it's just coming in. I don't think he would take chances with selections or, or how they come out to play. So I think it, it, it could be a cagey game and, and 
probably sneak it two one one zero two zero. I don't okay. think it'd be something like six zero or something. But um, in terms of the reception, I think many Leon fans that I mean the ones on my timeline and the ones I've seen so far on Twitter were very underwhelmed by the appointment. So I don't think they would um, really welcome Rudy properly, especially because of his ties to Marseille as well. So um, I think it, it, it would take some time for him to you know, win the trust of the fans and at least their support or something. So I, I don't think he'll get a good reception this weekend. No, I think you're right. Thomas, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go for a probably 3-1 win, but it won't actually be a 3-1 win. It'll be a, a closer game, and I think Dijon will produce a lot of chances. But I think Leon will just sneak a few and uh, and get that, that that first win. For yeah, I, I agree with Clinton. Garcia won't have the best reception, uh, but he's just got to focus on getting them three points, and hopefully that that pressure will begin to um, begin to dissipate if he just keeps getting getting the results. Yeah, I'm pretty. I pretty much agree with both of you. I, um... I'm going to be a bit more confident score-wise and say 3-0 Lyon, but I do think it'll be a flattering scoreline. Mm. And yeah, the same. I don't think is going to get a good reception at all. Um, possibly only Olas <laughs> appearing in the stands might get a worse one. Uh, but we'll see. <laughs> that, that match, I think, is the, uh, the afternoon match on, on Saturday. Um, yeah. Next match we're going to look at is um, another match featuring another new coach, ironically a, a former Dijon coach. Um, and that's uh, Toulouse, who are uh, hosting Lille. Um, so again, let, let's start off by talking about the, uh, the uh, departed coach, uh, Pinton. Um, Alain Casanova has left. It's uh, the end of his second spell at Toulouse. Um, there's, there's kind of, it was officially mutual consent, and there was a lot of talk about the fact that, um, well, he, he said that he'd received, he and his family had received death threats. Um, wow. So that's that's what kind of pushed him to leave. Although I think a lot of people think it was maybe only a game or game or two away. Anyway, again, I mean, yeah. we're only nine months into the season, and <laughs> with all due respect, it kind of is only to lose. Do you think it's it's a little <laughs> bit too quick? Uh, uh, is it another case of uh, sort of club chairman being a little bit too trigger happy? Well, um, if you look at the if you look at it just um, with this season, um, it might look like that. Like um, the, there was there was some haste in making the decision because, well, uh, Toulouse started the season fairly well, and I think it's just in the last four or five games that they've really gone downhill. But um, when you look at their form over the past six months, three six months, then you start to see that um, they're really not going anywhere. And, of course, if you're going to have boring football, because they play boring football, <laughs> Toulouse <laughs> are not very exciting. And um, if you're going to have boring football, at least let the results be somewhat better than you know, they, they, they have been. And uh, we've not really seen that. And, uh, I mean, it's just... I, I don't think there was much faith in you know Casanova's work anymore, and it's understandable. But I, I was still a bit shocked by the, or surprised by the um, sack, how soon it came. I thought maybe it would get two or three games. But um, it's understandable. I think they should probably be going in a different direction now. 
or might be able to help them with that. Yeah. Okay, well, Thomas, I mean, Clinton says go in a different direction, but um, if, he's, if he thinks that, yeah. yeah, if he thinks football's boring under Casanova, <laughs> um, I mean, is put, um, sort of unveiling, he actually said that, you know, that the quote that everyone has taken away is, is kind of a French version of, I'm going to remind the players how to sort of get stuck in and, and you know, <laughs> make their mark on your position. So um, do you think this is going to please the fans? Um, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, Conbar isn't a, a very inspirational manager. He's league experience, but um, he did just. He just about scraped through last season with um, with Dijon, and this it, it's frustrating to see because Toulouse have got lots of a, a good few players that are, are, yeah. are really quality players. I mean, I mean, Gradel has been <laughs> he's been carrying the team for ever since he's been there really um over the past couple of seasons and and he should be he should be playing at a higher level um but, but you know it's a testament to his, his loyalty to the club and they do bring, bring through a lot of a lot of good talent i mean songare's they're not going to have songare for for another season after this he'll, he'll i think he'll be gone in the summer really um yeah. somebody's going some team will be, will definitely be coming in for him um, and they've, they've just got you know good good enough players. They've got league on league on players. I mean, Dostovy's um, another good one. They've got Fankier is, is okay. Um, it, it doesn't look like a, a squad that should be struggling as much. If you look at other squads around the league, um, but <laughs> I mean, Comboire isn't. Um, isn't exactly up. They should have gone for somebody like maybe Gorvenek, perhaps. Um, yeah. Who's a, a, a more <laughs> energetic of a manager than perhaps Comboire would um, would bring in? It's just I think it might be it might be just another scrape for the season, um, yeah. and the same old to lose really. Yeah, I mean for me it's you say same old to lose. I mean that's that's basically it. They frustrated me for years because. It's a you know it's a big city. Okay, it's a rugby city, but you know it's still it's it's a kind of relatively major city in in France, an attractive area of the country, a good setup. They should be, I think, you know, near the top of the table, or at least, you know, maybe that's a bit much, but you know, certainly challenging for your at least comfortable. Showing, showing, yeah. showing some growth. Exactly. I think they've just been at the same level every season, just hovering just above the job zone and just same thing. And then they are boring, they're incredibly boring. Yeah. Oh my god! And of course, like you well, know, obviously uh, they're, they're uh, selling players like Sissoko and and Graydale, I guess, in the past. But you look at that Aurier and and Capu. But as you said, you look at their spine. It's like Rene, Isamat Mirin, Sangare, Makengo, I think, started the season well. Kuluris, who yeah. started brilliantly. It's it feel, yeah. To me, it feels like, I guess a bit like what we were saying with, with Silvino earlier. It's kind of, it, to bring in a manager like Kombuare, is, is just, it feels like just such a negative statement when there are... It doesn't of, give you much confidence. Exactly, yeah. and, and there are sort of, footballers there i mean they're not all sort of hoofers there are there are talented footballers there yeah i mean i, I think they, spend... they're probably just trying to um see how they can get out of the rot i don't know maybe a new manager syndrome or something 
yeah, um, because they were not they, of course they, they don't play great football and then the results are also bad so they probably thought okay bring someone experienced another experienced manager who probably would be able to get results for them because honestly i mean their last i think they've lost three of their last four games they haven't won since august and I mean, probably just needed a change but so I, you, I think they would still be in the relegation thing for the rest of the season. Although uh, I think Colores will keep them in the league. I think he's a very good um, player and goal scorer. So I think that's positive. Thomas, what do you think? I mean, do, do you think that this could be the year that they finally go down? <laughs> um, I just, I just don't. They've got too many just good quality players um yeah. but and then Comboire even though he's a he's um not very inspirational might just be able to just <laughs> get them playing um exciting football, <laughs> football but, you know, get them playing um boring football but just to get you know results, a couple of yeah. a couple of draws one or, yeah. one or two wins just to do enough um, to sneak it, but they're going to lose Sangara this summer. I'm not sure how much how long Goodell has is going to really stay at the club. If he goes, then you're really looking um, for for them relegation maybe next season. It, it's it's a difficult one, and and it's it's sad really because um, they've got. Um, they've, they bring through lots and lots of talent. They've got really good players, but it's just it's been me sort of below par for yeah. season after season. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel the same as both of you. I think they'll stay up just just because they they've got players, and it's cliche, but players who are too good to go down. But mm. I sometimes feel like they deserve to go down because they shouldn't even be in that position, and it's wasting. Yeah some of these yeah. players to be yeah. playing for these kinds of managers. You, you, you sort of, I think sometimes on c- clubs that are in this position, maybe a relegation is what will sort of, uh, that Change sort of, re- yeah, that, they need, need maybe just a complete overhaul and complete reset after a relegation to set up with a, a fresh outlook. Um, you know, Liga, Liga, Liga does, is um, a, a tough place um, to to compete, yeah. and maybe they they get relegated, and they they have that fresh outlook. They've got plenty of players coming through, uh, plenty of talent, and, and perhaps it's it's a better idea. Well, not a better idea, but it might be better for the club um, in the long term. Long term, if, if a, yeah. yeah. If they do get do get relegated, it's strange strange thought, but it could be something that um, works for them. Yeah. It's not that strange, I think. Um, it happened to Villarreal in Spain, and it was something yeah. that I thought was going to happen with my club as well, Valencia. There was a time we really faced a threat of relegation, and in my head, I felt it wasn't going to be that bad because we would have to reboot and you know maybe go in a different direction and just generally get everything together. So mm. I think we'll work for Toulouse. I think it's happening at Gongamp now uh, in Ligue 2, so it's possible. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that it's lovely to say in hindsight if you have regrouped and gone back up, but at the time it doesn't feel so great. 
Um, yes. So they're, they're, this weekend they're, they're playing against um, Lille, who I guess in a way sort of kind of had all of that sort of down and then up again, and but were lucky enough not to get relegated in between. Um, so obviously yeah. brilliant season last season, but um, coming off a disappointing home draw against, against Nîmes in their last match. Um, just one win in six, although two of them were Champions League matches. I mean, do you, is this... Is this sort of to be expected of a team that had a lot of the the first team sort of ripped out of it in the summer, or is this maybe a sign that they're just not equipped to to kind of play two major competitions at the same time? Thomas, what do you think? Yeah, it's it's difficult when you get that the the main you know main goal scorers in the team um, taken out of the squad. I mean, uh, Kone also went as well. Um, and it's. I think it'll just. It'll take um, longer than people might expect. They've brought in a lot of young players, um, that will. Some of them still need to um, adjust. I mean, Simmons started brilliantly, and he's his his sort of explosive form has kind of overshadowed um, what's been some fairly mediocre performances from from Lille. I mean, against Nîmes, they were they were actually lucky to come away with. Um, the, yeah, with the draw, I think Neem Neem threatened them. I mean, way too much. The the defense really didn't look um, solid uh, at all, and they get and they were they were getting picked apart by um, players like Philip Otto, who just sort of waltzed through them on occasions. Um, so it's 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 difficult to see them. Um, Sort of not 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 winning this game uh, at the moment, just because of I, I, I mean you, people talk about having a new manager bounce, but I think Comboire is <laughs> I'm not sure you can get a bounce from him, um, <laughs> but it might he might he might prove me wrong. Um, but I think it's worth looking at that um, Lille have not won any away game this season, so I mean. Maybe they would get it finally, but um, at the same time, they've been really below par in away games, generally in the league and in Champions League. So I think it, this game probably ends in a draw, a board draw. But um, Lille have the quality to to actually you know, get a win this game, especially because Toulouse are still regrouping. But uh, I think I see a draw in this game. Yeah. You, um, Ozimen has, has just won September's Player of the Month awards. Um, just, yeah. I mean, how good has he been, and how do you think he can? How good do you think he can be? Well, I expected him to be good for Lille, but I didn't expect him to start this well. He's, I mean, he's hit the ground running so well, and I don't know. It's, it's, it's exciting to see, of course, but it might just be that um, Lille are becoming too dependent on him already, um, but. It's really, really good to see. I think he's been really good. Um, right place, right time, constant threat. Um, he still has his weaknesses, of course, but he just—he has just embodied the role of the main man, the man to drive the club. And so far, so so far, so good. I guess. Uh, I think um, he's going to have a wonderful season, and hopefully, we'll be able to keep Lille somewhere up there at the top. Hopefully. Thomas, Thomas, what do you think? 
the reasonable sort of aspirations for Lille are this season. I mean, for, for me, I was actually, and they started the season quite well and they were sort of third at one point. And I was kind of pleasantly surprised. I really thought they would struggle at least for the first couple of months with so many sort of talismanic players out. But now it's sort of plateaued a bit and I wonder if they are going to sort of have a bit of a middling season. I mean, do you think cha- Champions League qualification is realistic? Or I think Europe is is realistic enough. I'm not sure about about Champions League qualification, but with with the um, sort of the the amount of players they've they've brought through, it might take time. I mean, to me, like Renato Sanchez, who's just looks devoid of confidence after um, a rough couple of years for him, it it'll take him. Um, a good while to adjust to to a new team and a, a new system, and hopefully, you know, Galtier has uh, has proved that he can he can develop um, younger players. So it might be that that they have this slump, but later on in the season they have a a good run of form as as the team starts to to mold together. I think the good news for them though is that um, despite everything that's happened, uh, they are still somewhere around fifth. And Lyon haven't started the season well. Marseille haven't started it on fire. Saint-Étienne have not started it. I mean, I had my money on Saint-Étienne to get a Champions League uh, spot, but it yeah, hasn't so looked I. like that. So, <laughs> so, so I think that um, that's good news for Lille because those are the people who I expect to really threaten. Of course, I think Conge will drop a bit later on <laughs> in the season and probably not. So it's still some somewhat of, uh, I mean, they're just one point off the Champions League spots, despite how um, inconsistent they've started. So I think that um, they are still in it. They just have to get everything together as soon as possible because, I mean, some of their signings, as you've said, some of their signings have not started the season really well. Um, we are yet to see the best of Yazici and all of that. So um, hopefully they're able to pick up somewhere along the line. I think this is the problem of selling too many of your really good players you know, at the same time, that, that kind of clear out and bringing in too many new players as well. It, it takes some time. So um, the good news is that they are somewhere close to the top, but they need to get everything together soon enough so that they'll be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. but you don't think, you think ball draw this week is not going to happen this weekend? Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Thomas, I cut you off. Yeah, I think if, if you if we're thinking where will they finish, um, if they're not finishing in Champions League, Europa League spots, it's, you sort of think, well, who else is going to finish there? Because you don't, exactly. you don't exactly. <laughs> it's it's um it's difficult to see um any club. Well, the you know three or four clubs filling out them spots ahead of Lille at the moment, at least. Yeah, so they'll yeah. finish there by yeah. default. <laughs> yes, in terms kind of squad strength. The clubs that should be giving them a run for their money, you know, for those Champions League sports, have not yet started well. Yeah. You know, they're, they're still struggling. So that's the good news for them anyway. So hopefully, we'll see how it pans out. Okay. Thomas, what's your prediction for this one? Uh, oh, I'm not going to watch this game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think I think Clint's make, <laughs> made a good argument that it's just gonna be a, a boring kind of score draw, maybe one all. Um 
I'll go with, ooh, yeah, one all draw. Okay. I'm going to go one nil. I'm not going to say who for, but I think <laughs> I, I, either Makengo or Ozyman will score a spectacular winner to, to save a bad match. There you go. <laughs> All right, uh, you mentioned uh, Saint-Etienne before and the, the bad start they've had. So, obviously, they sort of stole a march on Lyon um, by, by bringing Puel in just before that, that Lyon match. Um, and, I mean, I was going to ask, do you think that was just a classic kind of new manager bounce or is it more than that? I mean, for me, it, it was very much Puel's team. He changed formation, he changed a lot of players. I mean, do you think it's... Although he'd literally only been there a couple of days, Thomas, do you think it was reasonable for him to claim this was kind of my victory? <laughs> um, I think the, the mess that Leon were in probably helped <laughs> quite a bit. Um, but it, it, from from the how the match panned out, it they did. I mean, it, there was not a lot of chances at all for either side, and and Sonetian have been given up quite a few in the past, so. Uh, He's probably can give him a little bit of credit for for shoring up that um, that defence uh, a little more than it is, has been in in, in past games. Uh, I think he would have been frustrated that the international break came after the after the match. He want he would want to continue that momentum through to his next next few games. Um, but I'm, I'm more optimistic about. Sanetti uh, than the uh, past past couple of weeks. And uh, Clinton, yeah. I know that um, Philip and, and Thomas both spoke about it in the last podcast, and I feel the same. I think that um, I'm not sure Puel was particularly well treated by either of his clubs in England. But what are your thoughts? Yeah. Do you think this is a good appointment for Saint Etienne? Yes, I, I think so. Um, the game against Lyon was very um, interesting from his perspective, because, um, of course, apart from the history, um, the the way he approached the game, um, I thought it showed a lot of his experience as a manager, because he didn't, he didn't come in in a naive way, oh, new manager, let me just go out there and be adventurous and all of that. I mean, they would forgive me if we don't win. I think he his approach to the game was very, um, of course, it was conservative, but it was very smart, and he didn't give much away and he was able to get that victory in the end and he was also very brave as well the lineup that he came with and the way he changed things so i think he should get full credit for that um, victory um i think we're going to see more of the same also in this game against bodo because um bodo have been silently flying high silently below the radar so um i don't think he's going to come here and play into their hands so um, I think we're going to see more of the same for a while until he's able to get, you know, momentum together. I agree with um, Thomas when he says the international break sort of um, may have affected the momentum coming from that game. I would have preferred not to have that. But as it is, he has to just build the momentum again and just try to see how, you know, they'll be able to... Um, put wins together and get points, as many points as possible on board in the next few weeks. I think this this game against Bordeaux is a very, very, very... It's going to be a very, very tough game for them, but I think um, they'll be able to get something from it, ultimately. Tom, Thomas, you mentioned the, the, the defence. Um, obviously, Saliba has come back and we'll probably have a few Arsenal listeners who will be interested to hear a little more about him. Um, 
I mean, my personal view is he had a really good match in general, apart from a couple of times where he was completely skinned by Aroua. Um, oh, yes. do, do you think he, um, their, their defensive solidity is, has, any, has anything to do with him coming back? Uh, yeah, perhaps so. I think it was more Puel, um, Puel's management than Saliba. He had, like you said, he had a, he had a, a fairly solid game. Had a couple of moments um, with his with his position and, and you know getting skin skin by our. Um, but they have got um, a, a pretty good. I mean, backline. I mean, Peran needs a lot of a lot of uh, protection, and um, Saliba can. Can can cover his the his space and it's a great mentor to to learn off um, in such an experienced defender that, that I mean he's he's um, been regressing quite significantly over the past season maybe season and a half um, but I think it, it's somebody that you definitely do need if you especially you know, bringing through Saliba and, and uh, Makudi as well both very young centre backs. And I, I, I feel a little bit like I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit biased just because I'm not even sure why, but I've got a real soft spot for Platon. But <laughs> um, although you know maybe he is better suited to being a number two, I think that there are a lot of talented players there, and I guess he has to take some of the blame for not getting them playing to their best. But do you think some of these players should should share a bit of the blame? I, I think. My view is there's too many players there who sort of pick and choose their matches. Um, I kind of, you know, having Kasri and Budabuz in the same team, uh, you know, it, the hope is that generally they have, I find that they're kind of players who have half a really good season and then half a really bad season. So as long as you get, the, get it sort of synchronised in the right way, you've got one really good player there. <laughs> In the whole the course of a season, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you think? Do you think the players maybe should take a little bit more of the blame for for what happened there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was so strange that there was after Gasse um, announced that he was he was going to leave. I mean, I think it was in, in Vieira and Vieira and Cabela came out and 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 pretty much said, you know, we need we want um, Panton and nobody else, and or, or we're leaving. I mean, Cabela did eventually leave which is quite ironic um, but it's very strange that I, I didn't see much rumours to any other coaches it wasn't, it was sort of accepted that, that Pranton would be um, be the next coach it's very strange that kind of player power was so, yeah. so important um, so, such an important role in the hiring of a manager which is very peculiar um, for a, a professional football club uh, yeah, it was very strange. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I feel like that that having been the case, then you'd expect the players to be doing a little bit. More yeah, they just exactly. <laughs> it seemed like they they weren't that motivated, and it was very strange them them saying, you know, we want we want to on the club, and they they bring him in. Hopefully, the players will be happy and perform well, and sort of the opposite happens. Clinton, you, you, you spoke before about Bordeaux and how well they started the season. I think I saw a stat this week. I mean, personally, I think XG is a load of bollocks. But I think I saw a stat <laughs> saying that of the, of the top 
top five leagues, only Barcelona are ahead of Bordeaux in terms of XG or chances created or whatever it is. Um, which, even even though I completely discount it as as an interesting relevant stat, it is still a bit of a sort of eyebrow raiser. Um, but Bordeaux have been in excellent form. They've lost once since early August, and that was only a narrow defeat to PSG. Um, yeah, Clinton, what what's going right there? And is this, I guess, sort of the opposite of Saint Etienne? Can you absolutely say this is down to a very good manager? Yes, yes. I think that um, Souza has them. He has been able to put together a very, very, very solid, you know, run and team and, and system in place. And I think um, they have a bunch of players that that are in that age where they are they are set to explode or something. I mean, of course, there's Adli, and um, you know, a few of those players and Samuel Kalu. And, and cool, and um, I think he's just managed the games properly. I, their game against Toulouse was just, it was, um, of course, it was Toulouse, it was just Toulouse, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at the same time, I mean, I think they did very, very well the way they handled that game and the way they. So I think, of course, it's down to the manager. I, I think that he has been excellent, and even PSG had to, you know, struggle somehow to just get the win over them and they had to get Mbappe on before they could even get past them. So um, I think the manager deserves credit. And I think that um, he's also relying on the momentum that they've been able to build recently. So we're seeing that on the pitch. But generally, I think um, they've, they've, they've not created that much, actually. I think um, the statue probably saw that they were outperforming their XG or something. I'm not so sure, but um, <laughs> I probably just misunderstood the stat. That's yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> but um, even though they've not been able to create so much, they've been able to use the chances they've they've been able to create effectively. So, um, and in terms of that, it means that it's very sustainable that um, they'll be able to keep the same level and same momentum over like a few months or something, but. Ultimately, uh, I think it's good as they're not getting so much attention because that way it doesn't get into the heads of the players. And uh, over time, we're going to see how long this is going to last. But it always helps when you have a manager like Paulo Souza, who's, who's just doing fantastic. Thomas, do you think um, Koscielny can also sort of share a lot of the credit for, for bringing his experience? Yeah, um, I mean... <laughs> That, that back line, I think it's Koscielny, Pablo and Mexa. I mean, it's yeah. it's a lot of experience and and Mexa's always been a, a really good performer. It's, um, almost the, the, uh... it's almost the same aggregate age as Hilton. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, but, I've, yeah, it's been, it's been impressive. I mean, they've got a, a really a nice uh, balance between um, experienced players in the division and young and young talent. I mean, the, if you look at the the midfield, I think Adley's got a brace the other day again, um, with the week against Amiens. Um, a lot has been talked about him over the past few years. Um, they have uh, Tromani, who's been again again very highly um, rated um, f- for 
for for them and and also in the under 19s and under 18s and and you got Ait Benasser who's I mean I, I really I really do like him he's a very very talented player and yeah he was um at a Monaco side that I think and and Jardim didn't seem like Jardim ever, ever wanted to play him ever liked him um he was he was one of the few players that that weren't that the didn't um, ashamed themselves when when Henri was was at the club and um, his chance to really prove um, the level of talent he has got. Yeah, I'd agree with all that. I think also for me, um, I guess maybe one of the signs of of a, of a good good coach is kind of getting the best out of players. And a player I've always liked, but has maybe never really hit the heights at, at Bordeaux, is Nicolas de Preville, and I think he's got him. Um, sort of yeah. playing well as well. He has been some beautiful form, and he has just looked very impressive in recent times. Mm. So yeah, that's that, that definitely comes down to the manager yeah. that has been used. Yeah. So so predictions on this one? Do you think um, Saint Etienne can maintain their, their their recent form, or Bordeaux keep up theirs? Thomas, what do you think? Um, I think it. Be a pretty close game, and I think Puel will hopefully uh, he's going he's gonna to look to to take um, at least a, at least a point out of this and and try and get some. I mean, try and bring through that momentum from the from the derby win. Um, he'll, he'll keep it keep it pretty compact. Uh, both sides um, play a three man defence, um, so there'll be a lot of a lot of. Um, of, of, of fights down the down the flanks, and you know both have got um, pretty pretty feisty um, and and combative fullbacks. You know Quateng's has been Quateng always performs well, and he's so consistent when he performs. Um, it's really it's strange how they just snipped him up on a free um, for. I mean, he's, he's still twenty twenty one twenty two. Uh, I don't don't see him staying there that much longer. Um, but he's been really good for them, good for them as well. So I'm gonna say ugh, one one all draw. Uh, I was gonna say that as well. Yeah, so was I. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they are going to be. It's going to be a good tactical battle between two managers. But um, ultimately, I think um, both would be satisfied with coming away with a draw. So I I, I foresee that if for instance, it's a draw by the 70th minute, then both managers will just um, sit back and just accept the, the, the scoreline instead of risking it. Especially because they know that, um, I mean, Sosa knows that Puel can, can you know, take advantage of any any issues or any flaws that he shows or any spaces that he leaves behind in trying to find the winner. So I think both managers will settle for a draw if the game goes like that. So I, I also see 1-1 as well. Yeah, I'm going yeah. with that as I think, just as you both said, I think um, they're sort of both poised to, to, to be in a good place in general and they don't want to sort of spoil a, a, a yeah, sort of, exactly. you know, just beginning to get into momentum with, with a defeat. So, yeah, I don't think either of them are going to go crazy for, for a win. Um, I'm going to finish tonight with one more match. Um, and this one is, we sort of talked about coaches who have gone and coaches who've come in. Um, this is a match, I think, between two two coaches who maybe aren't quite in danger yet, 
but maybe could be the next two kind of on the chopping board. And they're two teams that you'd sort of expect to have kicked on from last season, but for different reasons, neither of them necessarily have. And that's Monaco against Wren. So Monaco are hosting. Obviously, there, there was a bit of a, uh, an improvement in form, um, a lot, I think, to do with, with Slimani and, and Ben Yedder coming in and doing very well in attack, obviously. But the last match against Montpellier, I think, highlighted that there's still some big issues there. Um, Golovin, I think, who I think is rubbish, has had his two good games for the season and just got, <laughs> got just got sent off. And and frankly, they they lost. I think it was three one to Montpellier, but it, it could have yeah. been much much more than that. I think. What do you think, Thomas? That the the blip was the the sort of three match upturn in form, or was the last match a blip? And and uh, they're sort of they're in a good place now. <laughs> it's Monaco, so yeah, they they're not. <laughs> I think they they might just keep doing this throughout the season, just have a, a blip and then back to terrible form, and then another blip, and and just keep keep being very um, very inconsistent. Uh, it, it's I think Jardim is is I don't think they should have even brought him back, um, but you know here we are, uh, and it's. It's difficult to see. I think maybe just Ben Yedder and Slimani keep scoring, really keep scoring, keeps going goals, and just kind of just carry them through um, through some games. It just seems like that that partnership will will um, sort of save save Jardim and prolong his his time at the club just a little uh, little longer. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that Monaco is very, very... I don't know. I find it's like comedy to me, the way the team is. <laughs> <laughs> On some days... I mean, there was, there was a game they were leading 2-0. Uh, I can't remember the team they were playing against. And I just said, oh, okay, finally, they get a win. And then <laughs> I checked again. I saw that they were drawing 2-2. I was like, what's oh, going on me. with this yeah, yeah. yeah, name, right? Yeah. yeah. I was like, what's, what's going on with these guys? And the, the crazy thing is that they create so much, like generally. It, it's very random. They they go, they score, they create something, then they go, they concede some silly goal, then they get a red card. I don't know why they are so in love with red cards. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's... So you never really know what to expect from them, except the fact that the game will be very open and there will be chances at the end. And, yeah, exactly. And... It's just not sustainable, you know. It's not something that that gets you CL football or something. You just know that this is going to put you in trouble at some point. And of course, the game against Montpellier was just—they were very, very lucky to come with just three-one. It could have been so much worse. Uh, of course, Montpellier is a very, very difficult team to play against away. They also have their inconsistency issues. But generally, I think first of all, um, Jadim coming back wasn't really a good idea. Uh, I think that he has reached his um, saturation point with that team. It's just best for him to go and leave it alone. But the luck they have is that they have Ben Yedda now and they have Slimani who have been playing, both, both have been playing really well. And in spite of all the, the issues, I, but generally I, I don't think that uh, Monaco are going anywhere. I don't think they have any direction at this point. Think that um, 
and shows. They don't really have any direction. They don't have any organization per se. It's just so random. It's like chaos theory or something. It's just everything is just chaotic. And somehow, somehow, some days they get wins, and sometimes they just lose or something. So I I think that um, in this game as well, uh, they'll probably lose, but they would lose like. 4-3 or something, like the Marseille game. <laughs> Concede 4, score 3. and It's just, I don't know what to expect from them these days. Yeah. Well, they're, they're playing Ren, who um, are not in good form at all. I think they've got eight matches without a win. They haven't won since August. Yep. And they're coming off a home defeat to Vass, which isn't the worst result in the world, because I think Vass are a quality team. But still, you'd be expecting more, especially after... You know, the, the sort of optimism that with which Ren finished last season. Um, Thomas, what is? I was going to say what's gone wrong there. I mean, maybe you'd say nothing has. It's just a, it's just a bad run of form. But but they're absolutely fine. Or it's sort of growing pains for Stefan. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think with with Ren, the, <laughs> there must be some something psychological because they just never seem to keep on to a um a lead i can't there was must be some sap um the opposite jean released quite a while back and they that they were um out and out the the worst team in the league at, at keeping at keeping um a lead and they just seem to just just give away that that chance that that um that is enough to, enough for them to to drop to drop points, and it, it's this something. This is this is something that's pre, it's predated um, Stefan's time at the uh, at the club, and it it's got to be something that he's looking at um, to to really shore up. And if they if they if they just become an average team in terms of um, keeping hold of a lead, then they they then go straight up into into the table, um, into mid table, or up into higher up of the table, but. At, this season it's been it's been pretty disappointing. Um apart from the, the first the first few games of they've had. And it's been I mean it's performances from from Edouard Mendy and, and um I think it's Salah, the other keeper. Yeah. Um that have kept yeah. kept uh, the goals out that they probably should have been should have been conceding and the in my opinion they should be further down the the table than, the, than what they they uh, they currently are at the moment. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I have to admit I'm not as in love with with Stefan as as a lot of other people are. Um, I think there were numerous matches where they got very lucky last season. I think they're quite a dirty team, both in terms of fouling and diving. Um, yeah. I just yeah, I think there's a little bit of too much sort of Emperor's New Clothes about him, but. At the same time, he's obviously got something. He's certainly got a good relation with the younger players there. Um, yeah. I mean, is this... I was going to ask, is this a must-win for, for either team or rather either coach? I mean, surely Stefan isn't, isn't sort of on the... It is Ren, and I think they were personally disgraceful in getting rid of Lamushi last year when they did. But surely Stefan isn't really close, for, close to the sack, is he, Clinton? Definitely, I think. Um, their biggest problem this season has been um, probably chance creation. Um, they have the, they're the worst for chance creation in the league. They've created only about eight big chances or so. And um, 
they've missed out of it. So they're not creating much, and it's really the cracks are really starting to show. And I think that um, Stefan is, is just walking a tightrope at this point, and he has to win this. If he doesn't win this, then um, probably. I think he's probably gone if he doesn't win this. Oh, you, you think this is he could go after this match if he doesn't win? Yeah, oh. I think so. Thomas? Hello? Uh, I don't think he's there anymore. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I, sorry about that. I think right. that um, Stefan's got more protection than other managers would have just because of who he is. Um, and his association with the club. Um, so if, if he loses this match, I don't see, I don't see a, a dismissal just yet. Um, he'll be given more time than than other coaches um, would, um, because the results haven't have not been great. Um, and, yeah. and other coaches would probably um, this would be a crucial match for him. But I think Stefan would will have maybe up till Christmas perhaps, uh, and then they'll make a the board will make a decision. Uh, depending on what 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 the results really do show, I don't think it lasts till Christmas. If if this form continues, if it carries on like this, yeah, they're probably not. Yeah. But I think he might be able to get one or one or two wins just just to get. Um, by then, they might be out of Europe. I think they've got two. I think they've got to lose next, so that should help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So predictions. So. Finton, you think 4-3 to Ren, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think that um, for a team that don't create, the ideal team to face would be Monaco, because they let you in. So, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, probably going to be a high-scoring game, maybe 3-2 or 4-3 or something. I, I, I genuinely think that that's what's going to happen, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to seeing how it be right. 4-3 <laughs> yeah. to Ren. You are going for three. Excellent. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, it'll be it will be a high scoring game, um, but I'm going to go for a two all draw. That's exactly what I was going to go for as well. So <laughs> just to be different, I will say, yeah, Ben will sneak it maybe three two. Um, okay. I think that's that's pretty much all we got time for. I have found an article about Bordeaux and XG, but I'm already <laughs> in the first place, so I'm not going to bother with that. Um, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you to, to Thomas and Clinton, and uh, yeah, let's hope let's hope for ten four three results this week. Mainly <laughs> mainly a win for Mets, though. That's the most important thing. Thanks a lot for joining us, and uh, see you soon. All right, thank you.